And so we're going we're gonna, to uh, get into the Word this morning. I'm thankful uh, for those of you that are here and those that are following online. If you've been joining us, um, we took a bit of a break from our series in Romans, a series we're calling Living by Faith, um, as, as we did a, a short little series going into Christmas, and I cannot believe Christmas is over. This just feels unreal. The time has flown by uh, this year. And so we're going to go back to Roman, Romans starting uh, this, this morning, and we're in chapter 5. And I was thinking, God, it would be pretty incredible if this next passage of Scripture, if you could just share in my heart some, some message as we begin to transition this year. I always uh, enjoy the, 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 the turnover of a new year. It feels like a fresh start. It feels like time to set new goals and kind of reflect on what God has given and done this year, even in the midst of maybe chaos this year in 2020, um, and be hopeful because of the hope he's put in our heart about what's coming up uh, next. And as I read these verses, I thought, oh, God, this is so many times since I've been preaching through over six years almost of preaching through books of the Bible, we get to a passage of Scripture. You saw how it worked going into Christmas. We were at a perfect place to launch into our hope series at Christmas. And now coming back out, we have this message that uh, I've titled, Now We Rejoice. Because you might be like me and saying, well, 2020 happened, now what? <laughs> now what are we going to do? What happens next? What's coming in 2021 and what, what could be there? And, uh, and I can guarantee you there will be trials in 2021 and there will be blessings. And we found in, find in this passage of Scripture just this reminder of what we can and should do regardless of circumstances. Uh, and it says rejoice. And so we're going to look at some things here that tell us why. Really, two audiences here. If you're saved, let's look at this and say, absolutely, I'm going to rejoice in these things. We're going to take two perspectives here. We're going to look backward because that's what Paul does. He looks back and says, here's the things you have to rejoice for. And then he gives us some confidence to move forward rejoicing. All right? And so that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to look back, and then we're going to look forward. So for Christians, we're, we're all in on this. If you're lost, if you've never given your heart to Christ, uh, I'm getting ready to tell you some things about yourself, about where you are, who you are. And these truths, if you apply them to the heart and you make this decision we just sang about, you have every reason in the world to rejoice this morning. So we're going to look back and we're going to look forward. Let's read the scripture. We're in Romans uh, chapter 5, starting in verse uh, 6. Let's see. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. I do this all the time. You need context for where we're at here. Uh, if you remember, we, um, we went through the first three chapters of Romans where we learned the brokenness of mankind, humanity. We were sinful. We were helpless. We were, we were enemies of God. Uh, every human being that's ever born sins and therefore is at enmity with God. We got into, into chapter 3 and 4, and we found out that by faith we have hope for justification and grace from Christ. Christ is the solution to our brokenness. In chapter 5, we started talking about the benefits of that justification, of the, the being saved. What are the benefits of being saved? And so we're in the second part of him sharing that story 
the, the verses immediately preceding this have told us about that hope, right? Trials lead to perseverance. Perseverance leads to character and character to hope. A hope that will never disappoint. And then he goes into this. You see it just the right time. I just love that line. I could stop there and know that God is always right on time. When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. This is arguably one of the best verses Paul ever wrote, one of the most quoted, one of the most favorites. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We're going to take a minute uh, once we get through this passage and really think about what this means. Because that word love is a brand new concept to his readers. It's agape. You've probably heard that, agape love. It's bigger than anything they've ever understood, and it's really hard for us to understand, but we're going to do our best. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life. These are big. This is big. Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. And where I got the title of this sermon, uh, I will read pretty often the translations, some of the paraphrase translations. The Living Bible is one. So the Living Bible says, 511 says it like this. Now we rejoice. In our wonderful new relationship with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done in dying for our sins, making us friends of God. We're going to go into 2021 rejoicing. That's the goal of today's message. We're going to find some reasons to rejoice regardless of the circumstances that we are in. So let's look at the first thing. He talks about mankind. He talks about uh, himself. He talks about Christians who at one time saved. We're going to look back and find out who Jesus saves. Who does Jesus save? Because this uh, will get a little confusing to us um, because it, it, it's tempted to, um, to, to begin to think, and even though if somebody asked us, we'd say, no, Jesus doesn't save the righteous. He saves the sinner. Yet we begin to practice and see in life and, and, and think God can only save people who are good. And we start to think, uh, if you're going to get saved, you've got to start going to church. You've got to start dressing different. You've got to start acting different. You've got to start being different. And yet we find out these, uh, these stories, this description that Paul gives us of the people that he saves. And the first one is when we were still powerless. We were helpless. We were without strength. We were useless to God. We were destitute. We were without hope. We could not do anything to save ourselves. Nothing. David said in Psalm 45, Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Ephesians 2.10, Paul said that at the time you were without Christ, having no hope, and without God in the world. 
It says he died for us. He died for the powerless. I'm going to ask you something, and this is really what this, this verse gets into. You've, you very rarely would anyone die for a righteous person. If I was going to ask you to give your life for someone, if you were going to just, it's like, I, I would die, I, I want you, for this person to live, you have to die. It would go through our mind that we would really hope that the person we're dying for is someone that's worthy of living, right? Like, we would probably all say, I would definitely die for my wife or spouse. I would die for my husband. I would die for my children. I would die for a family member, maybe a close friend, probably not the coworker two desks over. Right? We start to, you get further and further removed. You're like, maybe not. And that's called phileo. That's the Greek word. It's like a brotherly love. It, like it makes sense you would die for someone you loved and that loved you and that was worthy. But God has a different kind of love. He has agape. You say, yeah, I'd die for my spouse. Well, would you die for your, your ex-husband that cheated on you? Would you die for your abusive parent that you had growing up? Would you die for the person who wronged you, who cheated you, who stole from you, who, who, who was totally helpless, who was totally ungodly, totally sinful, had, had just rebelled against you, had turned on you, who, who could care less about you? Would you die for that person? That's what Paul is saying. He's like, Christ, I flesh, flesh. very rarely would anyone die for a good person, maybe a righteous person. Like, maybe we would. That's you and me. You see how this gets so, uh, it's different when you see that God dies for the powerless. No benefit. For, <laughs> we no benefit to him. We absolutely need him. He does not need us. We are absolutely ungodly. We were powerless. We're ungodly. A wretched sinner. Oh, you know, this sounds so good. You like to consider yourself a wretched sinner, don't you? An ungodly. But if you're not, today it's because his grace. But we find we all start there. This is who Jesus saves. The powerless, the helpless, the destitute, the ungodly, the sinners. What's ungodly mean? We're not like God. We disobey God's word. We disobey our parents. We disobey what he tells us to do. We live selfishly. We ignore his commandments. We, we choose to do our own thing instead of what he's calling us to. The things he asks us to give up, we don't give up. The things he asks us to give into, we push against. We pursue the pride of life, the things of this world, power, recognition, name, acceptance, all these things. We are ungodly. Sinners. And so we have this temptation. Um... To forget that truth. And to think that God 
has saved us because we have somehow lived differently or done something for ourselves. And so I share, we, we're not saved because we uh, go to church. We're not saved because we broke free from some addiction or started dressing different or started giving to the church. These are not the things that save us. And the very people that, that God died, that Jesus died for, that he died to save, are the people we look at and think they need to get their act together. Right? Would, would we die from, from the, 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 uh, what we see as the, the druggie down the street? Would we die for that person? Probably not. Christ absolutely did. What are we called to do for that person? We're called to say, Christ died for you. You're a perfect candidate, actually. You're a better candidate than I am because I'm acting all righteous. And so we don't have to go and try to fix all these people that are wrong, that are broken, that are sinners. We just have to share the message that Christ is saying here, that we've got reason to rejoice because without the grace of God, when God looks down, we are on the same playing field with everybody we look at. And you know what we say? I hope that person gets what they deserve. Right? That's, you know, my story of, you know, when uh, I was uh, coming, to, coming to work one day and somebody passed me uh, flying, right? And I thought, I, I hope they get a ticket, right? And then, you know, I got up a, a mile or so and they were pulled over by the road. The cops were there. I was like, yes. Yes, they got what they deserve. You see, in our heart, we want people to get what they deserve. We want vengeance. Especially the ones who have hurt us personally, who have wronged us. And this agape love that's way bigger than us, man, when you get saved, all of a sudden you start to see your heart change. You'll never be perfect and just like God. But see, those people, the Bible says that that, that God desires no man loses life. He will be just, and if you choose not to accept this gift of grace, if you choose not to follow Jesus, you are broken, and you will. He's a just God. You leave this world without ever professing Christ. He has promised eternal death. But while we are living, every day is a day of grace and mercy on your life. An opportunity to make the biggest decision that changes everything. And he loves and he wills and he desires for everyone that all would come to him. But we struggle with that. I mean, maybe it's only me. But there are, there are, there, there's murderers, there's, there, there's, there's things that we look at, there's, there's politics, there's all these things that we just want people to get what they deserve. And while we're rallying up, you know, getting mad and, and all fired up, Christ is crying, saying, I died for this person. I wish they would give their life to me. Asking the church to go to these people and say, you know what? You're broken. I was broken. But Christ died 
for the, the unbelievers, the, God, the ungodly, the, the selfish, the, the adulterers. He died for those people, and you know what? I'm one of them. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, we much more, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, that's the last thing we see looking back, we were helpless or powerless. We were ungodly, wretched sinners. Some of you more than others. Got an amen? No? Yeah. Right? Doesn't matter how bad you were, how good you were. You know, we can say, well, I wasn't as bad as him. It doesn't matter. You broke your relationship with Christ with any sin in your life. And then he says, while we were God's enemies, he befriended us. He reconciled us. He invited us close to him. You've never given your heart to Christ today. You are powerless. You can't save yourself. You are ungodly. You're sinful. You're an enemy to God. And yet we find this hope that we have. The invites said, for God so the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever whosoever would believeth upon him could have everlasting life there's one thing that can change your circumstances and your relationship with God and that is faith faith in professing your belief in Jesus Christ and accepting him into your heart you see sin broke the relationship between God he reconciled it in the death of Christ because here's what happens there Wages of sin or death, we all have to die. Jesus, or God accepts Jesus' death in our place when we profess our faith in him. We die. We put our faith in Christ. That death on the cross justifies us. We find that in this story, and as Paul relates this, that God is the one who reconciles. It doesn't say, for while we were God's enemies, we... Uh, got our act together and reconciled ourselves with Christ. It says we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? Imagine how difficult the cross was for God the Father. As he looked at all the people who had turned against him and all this wrath that he had for us and for sin. And he looked at his own son who was perfect and righteous and without sin. And he poured all that wrath for you and me out on him. Knowing well and good that some of us would accept it and some of us would not. Christ was condemned God accepted that for the condemnation we deserved. He bore the cost of our sins so that if we put our faith in him, we become righteous. 
with these thoughts as we look back. These are the things we can rejoice for. I was powerless. I was helpless. I was a sinner. I was an enemy, and I've been befriended by God. I have a relationship going forward. Okay, going forward, he says, hey, if, if, if while you were an enemy, if you were this powerless and helpless and sinful and broken, and Christ did the most demonstrated, the greatest example of love, agape, known to the world and history, how much more, now that you've been reconciled, that you are his child, that, that he cares for you, that you are part of his family, that you are close to him, how much more will he save you through his life? So we have this to look forward to, that, that while we were once powerless and helpless, Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. We are no longer powerless when we look forward. We don't have to carry the burdens of guilt and the mistakes and the letdowns and, 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 and the things and the disappointments that we felt. We, his mercies are made new every morning. We can walk forward in confidence with this righteous relationship with Christ. We are not going into 2021 alone. John said, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Jesus said, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. If he paid the ultimate price when we didn't deserve it, How much more will his promises hold true as we go into the unknown? As we go into uncertainty with his strength, with uh, his relationship, how can we do anything but rejoice? But we struggle with this because what we really feel like doing is changing that sermon slide to say, now we worry. Now we worry about what's next. Now we feel alone after Christmas is over and all the family has gone home. Now we feel hopeless. Now we feel scared. Um, and yet we have this verse that says, Now we rejoice. Can we come there this morning? Can we look back and say, Yep, this was a. a Lots of trials this year. We lost loved ones this year. Many of us have. Can we see God's sovereignty in that and trust him? And knowing that these three things, that we look back and see what he's really done for us. 
And then we can take those things and can we look forward and say, now we rejoice because I've got a friend in God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God 